Rusty Quill presents. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As I sit here in this small dark room, I wonder how many have sat here before me. How many sets of lungs have breathed particles of this very air that I breathe now? What plants turned out the oxygen? How many thousands, millions of years ago did they wither and die? How long now until I wither and die too? Welcome back to Spirit Box Radio. Sorry for the gloomy opening, faithful listeners. I'm afraid I've found myself somewhat melancholy of late. Rather than lingering on the specifics, let's dive right in, shall we? We've had a lot of emails this week. For those of you asking for slots to use Spirit Box Radio, you never need to ask permission to try and use the services we provide. We run the Spirit Box Radio continuously, almost 24-7, apart from this brief 15-20 minute segment where I pop in and talk about advice and, well, community. I know Madame Marie and myself bang on about using the forums to schedule your slots, but that's not to say that there's any kind of formal booking system. If you wish to use the spirit box provided by our channel, you may do so at any time, but it's always best to check in with the forums and with the other faithful listeners just to make sure you're not going to be communing with the other side at the same time as anyone else, as that can make the results fuzzy and difficult to interpret. Whilst we're on the topic of forums, I would like to implore yet again that the user under the alias of CovenBabe666 stops attempting to use the services to organise a group seance. If you want to try and summon, you must do so elsewhere. It's a legal nightmare on our end if anything goes wrong. Do you not remember what happened a few years ago with that poor guy Tim and his brother? Awful, awful thing. At any rate, there will be no more group seances. Not after what happened to Tim. Right, so, other forum-based things. Tina and Michelle have set up a new chat room on the forums for LGBTQ plus listeners of Spirit Box Radio. They're a little bit snowed under and asked me to drop a message to let you know that they'll be working through approving all of your membership requests as quickly as possible. If you're thinking of joining, I'll see you in there. I'm still figuring out this technology lark, but I finally feel like I'm getting somewhere. And, of course, finally, I'll go through this week on the forums, the email and the telegram because all of them have been absolutely rammed with people asking me about my well-being. 
I would like to reassure you that I am absolutely fine, faithful listeners, if a little melancholy, but who doesn't get melancholy from time to time? I admit, well, it pains me to say it, but I am beginning to wonder if perhaps I did something wrong which caused Madame Marie to leave me so abruptly. That perhaps she set up a new spirit box radio elsewhere, far away from me in this basement studio. Perhaps that's why everything was in such a mess when I first came down here. I cannot think what I could have done to have wronged her. I hope I didn't offend her too deeply, and if... If there is any chance that she's listening now, I would tell her that I'm truly, deeply sorry for anything I may have done. Anna kept saying that I was talking nonsense, but I'm not. Madame Marie left without a word of explanation apart from the flagrantly falsified note. I've heard nothing for weeks. Oh, I know I'm being maudlin, listeners, but this week has been absolutely dreadful. Kitty and Anna would not let me sleep down here in the studio, and Kitty made an awful fuss about the window in my bedroom. Anna insisted it must have always been there, which is insane, because there's a photograph that I took in my room when it definitely only had one window in it, so I know for sure that the second window is new, despite how very, very old it is. After I agreed to sleep in my freezing bedroom... Kitty was happy enough that she left, but Anna parked herself in a beanbag opposite my bed and sat there all night. She stayed in the house until Sunday morning and made a great fuss of me while simultaneously barely saying a word to me. Kitty came in once or twice and shared a silent coffee with Anna and I in the kitchen before leaving with a few tersely muttered words with Anna in the hall. She's gone now, not even in her shed. She's off on some adventure that neither she nor Anna will tell me about. Maybe she's had word from Madame Marie. Maybe she doesn't need word from Madame Marie to know what she ought to be investigating. She always did have a knack of knowing just what to do. Not like Anna. Fortunately for me, though, faithful listeners, Anna had to return to her lawyering on Monday, and I told her that however obedient her fiancé is, what's his name, Nick, Paul, Anthony, whatever his name is, he can surely only tolerate her being gone for so long before missing her. She made a great show, of course, about how it was more important that I'm well and that oh, him, the fiancé, that he can miss her all he likes and it's less important. <sighs> I wish that Madame Marie had thought it important. I wish she'd done more than label everything with post-it notes to guide me through the airing of the show. I wish I had more than these screwed up pieces torn out from notepads with the augury forecast scribbled on them in handwriting which is sometimes Salim's and sometimes decidedly does not belong to anyone whose handwriting I have ever, ever seen before written on paper worn soft with age or else so thick and heavy it's practically card. If Kitty and Anna know more than I do, they aren't telling me. But I really am fine, faithful listeners, I promise. Without further ado then, I shall proceed with the regularly scheduled programming for the Advice and Community segment, starting with a very brief question from Tony in Cambridge. Tony wants to know what the best way to make an altar is for somebody with absolutely no experience. First off, Tony, you've made what I'm assuming is a tiny spelling error in your email. I'm assuming what you meant was alter, as in A-L-T-A-R, as opposed to alter, which you've written. As you're an absolute beginner, Tony, I'll start off by outlining for you and any other newcomers to the arcane arts just what an altar actually is. An altar is any space specifically used for offerings or sacrifices, and they are found in many religious spaces, such as shrines and temples. For arcanists, like those of us who use Spirit Box Radio are bound to be, altars are most commonly a designated space in our home or locale, which we have devoted to offerings to the spiritual world, in the hopes of leaving food, herbs, 
or anything of value for any nearby arcana to take in exchange for granting us some kind of auspiciousness. To set up an altar, if you've never done so before, first find a surface in your home you won't mind losing for other functions. I have an altar set up on the windowsill in my bedroom. The old windowsill, that is. The new old one is covered in mould. Make sure this surface is not something like a table or desk you're likely to need frequently, or a jumping off spot where you often leave phones and keys. Otherwise, these items may be taken as offerings should you inadvertently place them on your altar once you've sanctified it. Clean this surface ordinarily and then smudge the area with sage. If you have any crystals, organise them in a way that feels nice and pleasing for you. You may wish to furnish your altar with a piece of cloth. I have a strip of purple velvet decorated with a golden pentagram inside two concentric circles. It sets the tone just right. Some people have statues on their altars. Baphomet is popular, as is Yggdrasil, and the three-faced goddess. You can place anything meaningful on your altar if you feel it's the right sort of tone for you. The great thing about this kind of arcanism is it's all about looking inside yourself to find out what's important to you and using that to challenge the arcane forces to your benefit or the malediction of others. I hope that was helpful, Tony. Okay, and the next email is from Rytidia Delphus. Oh, Rytidia is an interesting witch, actually. She's really into, well, dirt. At any rate, she often has interesting insights and it says here that mm, blah, 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 questions to be had in the place where you are to answer them, la la, yada yada, important circles. And when you finish reading this, the phone which once was hidden shall ring again. Oh, I love psychics. Hello, you are live on... Semi-Hill-Enfield. I have a prediction for you. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> well, go ahead. Uh, hang on, let me just... Uh... Return to the place from where once you were banished, and you will learn more there than you ever cared to learn. Yeah, I think that might be about the studio. So that's already come true. Ah. Yeah. But it is true. Well. And I predicted it. Surely that depends I on... I listened to the earth. You concrete crybabies wouldn't understand the songs of the bubbling depths. No, you're right. I, I really wouldn't. So in that case, we're agreed. Um, okay. Perfect. I knew you would agree, of course. I'm not really sure. You have I... a question for the mud, young witchling. I, I mean, I do have a question, but it's for you. You may think it is for me, you cosmopolitan cretin, but it is really for the mud. Of course. Sorry, my mistake. You're going to ask about the flower. Yes. I am. Send me a picture of it, and I will tell you the answer. Oh, won't that take a couple of days? I, I could just describe it to you. Just just send it on WhatsApp. You have... Of course I have WhatsApp. Come on, hurry up. Ah, okay. Hang on. Uh, there you are. I've sent it. Ah, a black Baccara. A what? That's the variety rose in the photograph. It's just a very dark red. The species is called Black Bacara. If you stop arguing, this process will go a lot more smoothly, buckaroo. Yes, right. 
sorry. Clear this rose has been grown in conditions it was not meant to grow. The size and shape of the forms are all wrong. Much too large. And the color of the stem? Yes, much too peaky. Definitely enhanced by the arcane arts. It's an enchanted rose. Yes, 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 the rose is enchanted. So, what do I do with it? Well, I don't know, do I? You need a hedge witch, not a bog witch. A hedge witch? I know of some. Uh, there is one uh, not far from you, uh, Oliver Boleyn of the Hatfield Capos. Mr. Oliver! Beth was right! I highly doubt he'd have sent this to you. He has an interest in plants that are actually arcane, or otherwise deadly. Not simpy little stage kids like this black Bacara. Where can I find him? I'll text you the address. Oh, uh, the great. The mud is calling, Salmonfield. I must return to it. Oh, sure, I... Thank you. Oh, faithful listeners, this is wonderful news. I can visit this florist, this Mr. Oliver person, who is apparently a hedgewitch, and he can tell me about this Baccarat Rose, and maybe something about Madame Marie, or at the very least, he might explain what his little note cards mean. Oh, yes, yes, how exciting. I should go as soon as he sends me this address. <coughs> Sorry, how unprofessional of me to leave my mobile on, especially after my sisters have been such nuisances. It's a message from Rytidia. Oh, oh. She's called me a cosmopolitan cretin again. Well, at least I can pronounce the word kaposh correctly. There's a link to some directions. Maybe they lead to the Hatfield kaposh. I, I should go now and see, faithful listeners. I no, that would be foolish. It's almost half past three in the morning. He's probably in the middle of some important witching hour things. I, I shouldn't bother him. No. Right. Well, I should go first thing in the morning. I can't believe it. Finally, the Hatfield Kaposh. I'm going to buy the biggest bouquet they'll sell me. Ah, I'm getting carried away, aren't I? I'll continue with the show. Now, as well as the forums and emails, we've also received a telegram this week. Whoever sent this one didn't sign it off or give any explicit permission for me to read it on air, but I'm going to go ahead and do so anyway, as I think it has some very helpful advice for our wonderful community of faithful listeners. It reads as follows. In the darkness, the eight silent figures of scarecrows watched and waited. The traveller fumbled in his pockets for a cigarette, found one, and put the stick in his mouth, searching for a match. He lit it, and the resulting flare lit his face briefly, illuminating the features of his face for an instant. The silence crowded around the traveller, and he began to wish that he'd never lit the cigarette at all. The mist was developing into a fog, alarmingly quickly, and as the traveller walked around the barren landscape, searching desperately for cover. He recalled words his mother had spoken to him long ago. It wasn't safe to be caught in weather like this. Anyway, he'd heard stories. But not all stories are true, muttered the traveller, arms wrapped around himself for comfort and warmth. The fog thickened, and soon he couldn't even see his own hand in front of his face. He sat down on the dead soil, half frozen with cold, half frozen with fear. This is what happened to people before they vanished. And he desperately didn't want to become one of the many names in the back of the newspaper under the title of Missing, Presumed Dead, or Gone. It was kill or be killed, and he preferred to do the killing. 
he wrapped his cloak around himself in a vain attempt to keep the cold from seeping further into his bones. Shaking now and craving warmth, his stiff, trembling hands found the matchbox and struck a match. The mere sight of the warmth and light it offered was enough to sustain him for a little while. Too late, he realised he should not have drawn attention to himself. said a dry voice from behind him, but some stories are true. The traveller started looking for the source of the voice, but there was nothing and no one there. The traveller slowly drew his knife from its sheath and held it in front of him as he stood up. He squinted into the fog. Mocking laughter drifted on the edge of his hearing, like the whispering of dead leaves. The traveller twisted around and lunged at the shadowy figure, barely visible. The fog parted to reveal a rather battered and ugly scarecrow. The traveller nearly cried with relief. Better you than me, my friend. The scarecrow twitched, and to the traveller's horror, turned its misshapen, deformed face towards him. The traveller yelled and ran, not daring to look back until he was certain he wasn't being followed. He bent over, panting, and saw something out the corner of his eye. He straightened up slowly, deciding to look back away when he bumped into something soft and moist. He jumped and turned away with a muffled curse. Another scarecrow loomed before him. It split open, maggots crawling from the filthy straw and sackcloth, as if it were a bloated corpse. The traveller stared, half paralysed with terror as the scarecrow lurched towards him, and he tried to run again, but found his route blocked by another scarecrow. In sheer panic and desperation, he struck another match and threw it at one of the scarecrows, which instantly lit in flame. The traveller grinned. He turned on his heel and ran through the fog, but soon found himself surrounded by seven more scarecrows. Dead eyes studied him from bits of sackcloth. Stitched mouths twitched in grimaces of triumph. Slowly but surely, the scarecrows lurched towards him, their jointless limbs swinging and swaying in a cruel parody of human gait. As they closed in on the traveller, he cried for help, seeking aid of any sort, but there was no one to help him. As the charred, but whole eighth scarecrow appeared to join its brethren, the traveller realised an awful truth. Fire couldn't stop them. Maggots dwelled inside them. There was supposedly treasure buried beneath the barren soil of this field. Great people had gone missing in a mysterious fog that appeared out of nowhere. After each disappearance, another scarecrow was sighted silently guarding the field. The screams of the traveller cut into the fog as leathery sackcloth hands began to pull and tear. The fog cleared as though it had never been. The dancing dead leaves covered the body of the traveller. Soon, there would be nine scarecrows in Dead Men's Field. See, what did I tell you? Excellent advice there. Thank you so much to whoever sent that in. That's a good point, actually. This advice and community segment is about more than just me sitting here and preaching to you. As I've tried my best to make you aware, my skills as an arcanist are lacking, to put it lightly, despite what regular Call of Beth said last week. I, I'm afraid I have no idea what she was talking about, which is troubling, because my sister certainly did. Anyway, that's beside the point. The point is that I'm not very good at this, and it's highly likely that many of you faithful listeners out there have just as good, if not better, ideas on how to perform seances and everyday household magic than I do. 
So if you have any tips and tricks for me, feel free to call or write into the show. I'd be thrilled to hear from you. On that note, I shall sign off for the evening, faithful listeners. Remember to check in with one another on the forums to organise timings for communing with the other side. I've been Sam Enfield. This has been Spirit Box Radio's advice and community segment. Thank you for listening and good night, faithful listeners. Spirit Box Radio is distributed by Hanging Source Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. The show is created, directed and produced by me, Aira Major, the voice of Sam Enfield. Alex Palaber richardson wrote the telegram of advice regarding scarecrows. Alara Leatherbarrow is the bog witch, Rytidia Delphus. Music is by Maybe Wednesday. Find out more at hangingsawstudios.com where you'll also find transcripts of all of our episodes. You can support the show at patreon.com forward slash hangingsawstudios. Spirit Box Radio is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.